Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, last week, uh, I, I wanted us to focus on what what we look like in the spirit. What we're about in the spirit. So, first thing is, we're, we're made in the image of God. So... Um, when the scripture says um, that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, because we are now the body of Christ in the earth, we are that visible image of the invisible God. Now, Jesus was perfect. We're not. But we still are the only image of God that people are going to see. You know, we're, we're the latter, as Paul says it. And um, so you have to remember that you know, when you go out, I I think Jeff kind of was addressing that today too with your, you know, just general self-control, which that's, I don't think I ever had that marked right on my report card all those years when they said self-control. I always got below the red line on that. So, you know, I, I've had a long struggle with that. <laughs> and because then when you get under self-control, it shocks entirely too much. And there it was, you know. <laughs> I think my problem was that it's too quiet. Oh, and now it's all uncorked. There you go. Whichever way it works, that's exactly right. So the first is we are made in the image of God. That's Genesis 1. So we need to understand that, that we're not just um, a little being that he created that walks around here like every other being. We are very unique in the way we're created. Second of all, Because we're born again, we are filled with His glory. We are children of light. Meaning we are light beings. And yes, we're made of light even when we're dark. But, you know, like Jesus said in Matthew, when your darkness, when your light is obscured, how great is that darkness? But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are a light being and you are a day glow, I mean glowing white hot being. Now you and I can't see that. However, when you look at people, you know, the eyes are the window to the soul. You can see it in their eyes. You can see light and you can see darkness. And um, so many times our little teen challenge guys have pulled out their driver's license and say, this is what I looked like six months ago. You know, the transformation is unbelievable. You wouldn't have recognized them. You know, the difference from light, dark to light. Um, and um, that's what happens to us. So we, we are crowned, I mean surrounded, wrapped up in glory. We are glorious beings. Um, the thing that keeps it from shining through is this flesh, this, this fallen flesh attached to the rest of the world that, you know, keeps us from having that fully transformed bodies, that's one of the parts of the inheritance that we're waiting on. Really two things. One, we're waiting on this new body. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I don't have to haul this around for eternity. (laughs) And um, um, then the other thing that we're waiting on is for death to be put under our feet. You know, those are the things that are left to us. 
But that doesn't mean that our spirit is not encircled and crowned in glory, enveloped in the weightiness and the magnificence and the splendor of God. Um, you know, uh, in Colossians, we God says it like this, Christ in us, the confident expectation of glory. You know, um, so while the glory is not ours, it belongs to God, we belong to God. And he belongs to us in that sense. So um, we can have no self-pride in the glory, but we can be proud of the glory that we have because it came from the Father. So, um, you know, we talked about that being one of the biggest struggles that we have is that we don't, we don't really look in the mirror and see ourselves as that glorious being like we should. You know, we need to recognize that, um, like when Jesus got out of the boat in the gatherings and the guy came running and said, what do you have to do with us, right? You, you know, we, they look at us like that. What do you have to do with us? Until they realize that we're absolutely clueless and then they're fine, you know? Then they can do whatever they want. But when we are not clueless, when we know who we are, they tremble in fear. We're going to look at that. And then the third thing about us as a being is that we have a definite, defined dominion for a definite, defined amount of time. There is a like a 7,000 year lease on this earth. And God has just signed it over to us. You know, as messy as it is, everything, you know, He has given us everything. Um, in Ephesians 1, it says we have been given everything that we need, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, so that we can walk it out here and do exactly what we've been called to do, take dominion. And dominion literally means to tread down, to subjugate, to prevail over, to rule, and to keep under. You know, and that, that seems tough, but... Um, that's what we were to do. Um, and, and our dominion is this material realm. Everything that flies, everything that swims, everything that creeps and crawls on the earth, and everything in this material world, this is our domain. Okay? And God expected us to rule and reign here until we gave it up. Until we gave it up, you know. And then, praise God, Jesus got it back for us. But, but that dominion has been restored to us. And Satan, who at the time thought that was going to be his uh, way to power, has now found himself on the outside. And, and we, we have dominion again. But the same story continually plays itself out. And as in Genesis Two and three. When Satan comes to us, you know, in his sneaky way and tries to deceive us. So, you know, we can't be ignorant about other beings in the spirit realm. Um, none of us are ignorant about the material. We live in that. We deal with it all the time. But this I'm going to say about the material realm. Jesus, well, go to Philippians. Go to Philippians. <clears throat> I 
Which chapter? Uh, chapter 2. Okay. Just start with verse 5. Um, Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took on him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow of things in the heaven, things in the earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That name of Jesus belongs to us. But when Jesus came up out of that grave in Ephesians 2, it says, We were seated together with him in heavenly places. So that name is exalted above every name, that every knee should bow. Everything would be humbled under the name of Jesus. Now, um, just like a police officer, if he's just at home in his jeans washing the car, he has no more authority than his wife will let him have around the house. <laughs> I understand that. But um, when he puts on his uniform, then what he says goes. Stop in the name of the law. And at the name of the law, every knee bows, you know. And that's exactly where we are. Stop in the name of Jesus. And, and things include um, sickness and disease. Anything that's in the curse, that's a thing, you know. Terror, fear, torment, anxiety, all those are things. Um, I, one day I just, I don't know, I got... I'll just tell you my ditch story. You know, sometimes you just do that. Your mind goes. And, and being an elementary teacher, it just hit me. Thing one and thing two. Do you remember how bad they were? <laughs> we have authority over thing one and thing two. Do you know that story <laughs> about the cat in the hat? Oh. Okay. Jill's going, what? <laughs> the cat in the hat. They were so bad, you know. But um, I was just thinking of those as those little demonic imps. And we have authority over those things. And um, we need to exercise our authority more than we do. Um, that's not to say that we walk around in um, just, you know, a demon-filled world. That's, that's not it. Because there are way more angels, way more of God's spirits, born-again people in this world than there are of them. But... You know, you can't be stupid about it either. I find it kind of interesting that Arch's class has started on studying angels here. It must be the same Holy Spirit. But um, I'm only going to spend uh, just a, one evening here talking about it because there's no reason to. It's a waste of time other than, you know, Paul says, I wouldn't have you ignorant about it. If you don't recognize it, if you don't, you know, if you don't get it, then you're just going to end up getting your head knocked off, which there are so many people sitting on our churches now that don't recognize that we have an enemy. You know, don't recognize that we have an authority. That's the thing. They might even recognize we have an enemy and they give him way too much credit. But we have authority. And if we don't exercise our authority, 
you know, then what happens, happens. And God is not going to intervene in the sense that He's going to just take control out of your hands. He's not going to wrest control out of our hands because He's given it to us for a certain period of time. He's not going to say, here, let me have that. I'll fix it for you. <laughs> he's already done that. He sent Jesus to the cross. He did everything He's going to do. And He sat down. And Jesus sat down. So guess what? He fills us with His Spirit and He expects us to continue on. And He expects us to be the body of Christ in the earth. So you just have to look at what Jesus did. Follow what Jesus did. You know, He He won. Um, as for his crucifixion, <laughs> that was planned. And Satan fell right into the trap. You know, he, he fell right into the trap. And um, God got him in the trap and destroyed him. But um, for the rest of us, we just watch what he does because he bought us the authority, you know, to conquer all that. So it's under our feet. But you do need to know that these little nuisances are here. And that we have to deal with them. Okay. Look in Ephesians, because we need to talk about this. Ephesians is, Paul continually talks about the multiplicity of dimensions in heaven. He's always talking in this, in this book particularly about heavenly places. Not, not just sitting on a throne in the, the throne room, but being... Uh, having access to heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Um, you know, we, we are a dimensional being. And we need to understand that. Um, so, start with Ephesians 1, verse 2. Grace be to you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, past tense, already done, has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's already done. We've already been blessed. You know, it belongs to us, those blessings do. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children. And that word adoption literally means n not just, you know, being added onto the family, but it literally means having made us um, in the position of the oldest son. That's really what that word means. Having put us in the position of the oldest son. By Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise and the glory of his grace wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. In whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. We're going to come back to this, but the devil doesn't know everything. He doesn't know anything, actually. 
God just has hidden everything in a mystery for us. Okay? I'm going to show you that. According to his good pleasure which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he would gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. So material and immaterial are in Christ. Okay? They're gathered together in Christ. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works in all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, and you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Okay, um, <clears throat> we have inherited the authority and the power that came to us through Jesus Christ. We have inherited that. And we have inherited this earth, you know, and, and the kingdom of heaven. It's an inheritance that we have gotten. Um, <clears throat> now skip over to verse um, 20. Or 19. Ah, shoot. Go all the way back up to 16. We might as well just read the whole prayer. That's good. Because this is Paul praying. He said, I want you to have the knowledge of this. I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. I cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling or the confident expectation of his calling, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That's us. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The power that's ours and in us is the very same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's big. And set him at his own right hand in what? Heavenly places. Plurality again. Far above all principalities and powers and mights and dominion. And every name that is named. So... Principalities, powers, mights, and dominions. Good and bad. We've been seated far above them. So that puts them all under our feet. Okay? Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Which is his body. The fullness of him that fills all in all. So there's not any, any power out there greater than the power that's in you. There's not any authority out there greater than the authority that you've been given. And there's not a name out there any greater than the name you've been given. But if we don't exercise it, then we're going to get run over. You know, we're just going to get run over. So you, we have to be wise about this. Okay. God, before he created mankind, 
And before he put this world into materiality, before he brought what was in his mind into a material realm, he created the angels. He did that first. Because in Job it says the angels sang as God created the universe. They were happy about it. They were singing and worshiping God. Um, always the picture is of an ambassador, a messenger. Um, and that's really what angels are. Made of pure light. They have access to God, each in their own individual ways. Some never leave the face of God. Um, you know, the cherubim that fly around his throne all the time, they never leave his face. The seraphim that hover around God, they never leave his face. Some cherubim and some seraphim do leave his face and, and do accomplish things for him. But, but um, every angel is created with a purpose. And there are more legions of angels than you could even count. There's no way that you could measure the number. Now, one-third of those guys fell. We're going to look at that scripture too in a little bit, but I'm just giving you big picture. One-third of them messed up. And, um, but that means two-thirds amazingly awesome, powerful creatures are still in the service of God. And they're in our service. They're called to serve and to wait on us. Now, the, the plan that God has, we talked about this last week, is still, according to Mendelbrot, that householder set. Everything governmentally starts with a strong head. Then you have, um, and that's Abba. Abba is a strong head of the house. That's what the two letters are, Olive Bet. Um, but you have the strong head of the house. Then you have the family. And then you have those servants who come and go. Those stewards. You know. And then you have below that the minions that fulfill everything that has to be done day to day in and out. That's the picture of it. So God um, gave governmental order even to his angels. Archangels. Seraphim. Cherubim. Then you go down below that to principalities. Powers, if you heard those things before, guess who copied that? Thrones or authorities and dominions. That's the way God set it up. Satan did the same thing. He set it up. Principalities and powers, only he added a couple of his own. Okay. But that's the way he set it up. God has order in all things. Um, and they have to work within his framework. You know, Interestingly enough, these angels are all given the power to choose. I don't think, in my the way I look at it, let me just say it like this. They were given the power to choose, but they were not given the right to choose. Okay? Um, because the third of the angels that chose to go with Satan, who you know is the carrier of light or the bringer of light, um, the third of the angels that chose to follow him when he wanted to raise his throne up, they're they're fallen forever. They're never gonna. There's no repentance for them. They can't come back. There's no repentance for mankind. We not only were given the ability to choose, but we were given the right to choose. God put starting in the Garden of Eden. He said, "You can eat from the tree of life, or you can eat from the tree of death." 
from the tree of death, God made a way out through the covenants, through the sacrifice of animals. You know, and then Deuteronomy, he says, I'm putting before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. But men have a right to choose. He gave us that ability to choose. And then he gave us the ability to seek um, forgiveness. And he made the way for us to be forgiven and come back. Angels, not so. So they had a, an ability to choose, but they didn't have the right to choose. I don't know how else to say that to you. Because they chose, but there is no repentance for them. Absolutely none. Once they did it, it was over. Okay. Um, there are angels that worship, just, just spend their eternity worshiping God. They're made to do that, and that's what they do. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, you know. The angels are shouting it. Then there are um, angels that minister, deliver, intercede. You know, um, those are our, like our guardian angels. They're angels that, um, um, like God sent an angel before the children of Israel, you know, and they, they needed to follow him and... You know, there are angels involved in a lot of different places for deliverance, like um, Elisha and Dothan, all those angels on the mountainside and fiery chariots. Um, so that's another part of what they do. There's a, there's a military army of angels, and that's what they do. But not all of them are in the military, just like not all of us are in the military. But there is a military, and it is serious. One angel can... Well, 185,000 were wiped out by one angel that God sent down to take care of Sennacherib. And, you know, in, in uh, the book of Isaiah when he talks about what happened to Sennacherib. So one angel took care of wiping out 185,000 men. So, you know, they're pretty powerful. Then there are those angels who are primarily um, dealing with uh, announcements um, warnings, encouragement. You also see um, uh, in Revelations where they're, you know, crying out and warning people that the next set of judgments are coming. They announce the coming of things. Um, so there is that set of angels. And then there are um, angels that execute his decrees. In Revelations, you find they're the ones that are the harvesters. He sends them in to reap the harvest at the end. And um, so they, they carry out God's decrees very specifically. And um, um, so it's kind of a comfort when you know that they're all there. Um, because God is love, you know, that's what he wanted. He wanted loyalty in those angels, but he wanted them to choose that loyalty. And for those who didn't, there's no coming back. But those angels who chose are loyal to the end. Okay. Um, let me see if there's anything else. I, I kind of got ahead of myself here, but I don't want to skip anything. Um, what, did, what went in the first category? Angels that praise God. They're all around the throne. Yeah. Around the throne of God. Right. And, and worshiping. Um, 
well, let's just kind of look at this kind of look at Colossians 2. Colossians chapter 2. All of um, Satan's army had been utterly defanged. Satan too. He's a toothless lion. <laughs> Praise God. Um, and he is under our feet. Kind of makes me think of, you know, those little lizards, tiny little lizards, and they fan out their gills on the side of their neck to make them look really big and scary. Mm. But they're still so little, if you could catch them, you could squish them with one foot. Yeah, that's kind of the way I picture Satan, is that one of those dragony lizards that sticks his little gills out like, I'm going to scare you. But if you know what he is, then you know there's nothing to him. Um, okay. And if you know who you are. That's right. Amen, Lee. If you know who you are and you know who he is, then, you, then you're then you on top of that. Yeah. He may come at you and he might make the wind blow and he might make the storm look big. But all you have to do is just get up in the front of the boat and say, peace, be still. You know, but you have to know you can do that in the name of Jesus. A lot of people sit in the storm and rock in the boat and worry and fear and anxiety and they never once think just like the disciples did aren't you worried that we're going to sink you know but no Jesus wasn't worried we were going to sink okay um, Colossians 2 start with verse 13 and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh has he quickened together with him Meaning, bringing you to life with him. Having forgiven you all trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. Um, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers. Spoiled is a word literally in the Greek that means disarmed having disarmed principalities and powers, he made an open show of them, triumphing over them in it. An open show. He, um, he dragged them through the streets of heaven, if you will. Humiliated them. Um, embarrassed them in front of everybody because that's what they are. They're a defeated enemy. Utterly defeated and powerless. Um... And so we have to start thinking about that, you know, that they also understand that. They know they're defeated. They know they're powerless. Um, and if they see somebody coming who knows who they are, they get nervous. All right, go to um, Mark 5. Mark chapter 5. Just to give you an example here. They know their end. Some of them are already chained in hell, awaiting um, judgment. And we'll look at that too in a second. But the rest of them know they're going to hell, and you can certainly remind them of that. 
They don't like to hear it. Okay. Um, start with verse 1. And they came over to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him um, out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, not with chains, because he had often been bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Guess what? We are sons of the Most High God. I adjure you by God <laughs> not to torment me. I laughed when I saw that. That's like saying, I, you know, in the name of God, I ask that you leave me alone. I'm <laughs> going, what power did he think he had? You know? Then Jesus said, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he asked him what his name was, and he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And then he begged him that he would not send him away out of the country. So then he sent him into a herd of pigs. But I thought that was hilarious. That he knows his end. Um, and when you read in Matthew, he screamed out, you know, why do you come to torment us before our time? They know perfectly well a time's coming. But when I saw it at Mark and he said, and I answer you by God that you not torment <laughs> I just howled. I thought, oh my gosh, that stupid spirit, legion. Which literally means Emil Legion is twelve thousand soldiers in Rome, you know. So that was a that was a lot, and that man, no wonder he was strong. Um, go to Jude six. But you see, Jesus didn't get upset. He didn't scream and holler. He didn't. He just said, "Come out, come out," and that's what we do. We say, "Come out." Of course, it isn't often that you're going to run this way that's demon-possessed. Believe me. It happens on occasion, doesn't it, Ron? But not often. And um, so I, you should not worry about that. Um, like this guy told me one time I went to get the book Pigs in the Parlor years ago. And uh, the guy says, I'm not going to sell it to you unless you promise me that you're not going to go looking for demons in doorknobs. And I said, okay, I promise I won't go looking for demons and doorknobs. He said, then I'll sell you the book. And so I thought that's that been good, good advice, yeah. Because they're not, they're not everywhere, you know. It's not like that. You just, you just should recognize what's going on around you and be sensitive to it and take authority over some things, you know, and keep it out. And um, so we just need to know it. But I just wanted you to see that God has taken care of these suckers. They're not... You know, this is if, if you're looking for Jude, it's one page in front of Revelations. Yeah, go to the book of Jude. Um, these angels that he's talking about are the ones in the book of um, Genesis. Um, in Genesis 6, when Noah's on the scene 
And it talks about the sons of God coming in unto the, you know, the women. The yes, the daughters of men. And uh, raising up a generation of giants. Um, if that was all there was, you, you might question. But Jude, Jesus' brother, confirms that that's exactly what they did. And um, this is what he said about them. Because God took care of these beasts. Um, let's see. Start with verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write to you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write to you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord, um, our, our God, our Lord and Savior. I will therefore put you in remembrance that once um, that you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them for not believing. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but in other words, they didn't stay in the Spirit, but left their own habitation, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Um, those are the angels that he was talking about. There's another place where he speaks to this where he goes on to talk about Noah being one of eight that was saved. Because that was the only flesh that wasn't tainted by these angels that left their first estate and uh, materialized, you know, and uh, had kids there. So, but God's already taken those angels and, and locked them away. Um, so we're just going to take a little time now and look at this fallen host because we just need to know a few things about them and then we're done because they are not all that okay they just they want you to think they are but they're not and um, so Paul has said it over and over I would not have you ignorant okay um, they they were made to be glorious light beings. Satan, who was once called the bringer of light, the morning star, was absolutely gorgeous. He was radiant. And his job, um, as far as we can tell, was to elicit praise from the earth. He was a praise leader. But he wasn't, and I had been taught in years past that he was an archangel. He wasn't. He was a seraphim. He was down the list. And um, is there scripture for that? Yeah, there is. It's it's in Isaiah and Ezekiel. We'll, we'll go look at it in a second. About being a seraphim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or not a seraphim, a cherub. I'm sorry. Okay. He's a cherub. Yeah, he was a cherub. So, um, you know, he wasn't. He wasn't all that. Um. But that was going to be his job. He had musical instruments in his body. And he was covered in jewels. He was reflecting the light of God's creation. And um, he was a magnificent creature. But when he fell, all that glory left him. And in darkness, there's a perversion that happens. You, you, you see it in the flesh. People who get over into darkness... Be, 
become very perverted looking, you know, dark and heavy looking. And um, these angels are not um, these gorgeous light beings that we have thought them to be. They, they can transform themselves and make themselves look like that, but they're not. And um, they don't have any power over us. Um, they may still attempt to conquer men and destroy God's creation because that's what they're in it to do. But they are very limited in their domain. They have no power. But what they have is guile and deceit and um, whatever power men gives them. They can't, they don't have authority and power unless men give it to them. Satan, after he fell, could not have done anything to Adam and Eve unless they obeyed what he told them to do. If Adam had told him to get out of that garden and to shut up, he would have had to go. But Adam didn't. Adam entertained the thought because Eve gave him the thought. He gave Eve the thought. He got Eve to look at things. He got Eve to think about things. He got Eve to talk about that fruit. And then she acted on it. He stirred up that pride of life, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh in her. And that's how he got her to act. But until he can get you in his playing field, he has no authority over you. Except what you give him. Okay? Um, go to 1 Peter 5. We're in the back, so just flip, you know, maybe six pages toward the front. 1 Peter 5. Uh, might I add something here? Absolutely. The, um, my wife and I, uh, in the course, because it, so, so few had spoken anything about anything about the evil aspect of things. And, uh, and so... Uh, we're about 11 o'clock, 11.30, and we get a phone call. And uh, the, the person uh, called and said, could you come down and help us? And she said, um, my son has, has lost his head. And he says, uh, he's, uh, he's got his clutch, his cane, and he's, he's whipping that around, you know, trying to hit his, his, his father with this thing. And uh, so we got in the car, and I didn't, didn't have any idea what was <laughs> what was what was some running value to do, you know. But uh, we got there, and uh, and lo and behold, here the father has him down on the on the floor in the in the gym, and uh, he's got his knee legs doubled underneath him, you know, and held in place, and. Uh, he was speaking some of the foulest language I think I'd ever heard. Wow. And uh, I just told him to shut up in Jesus' name. <laughs> and, and, it just, and it just ended it. That was it, just, it. it just stopped it right there. But uh, um, the funny thing was, was uh, um, we got the kid quieted down. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And, that's, and that's exactly what you know, what we ought to know about. Yeah. Um, I saw a film not too long ago on, on a news channel. They were just trying to figure it out, but it was a jewelry store, and this lady was in the jewelry store. 
And a robber came in, armed man. And she just said, in Jesus' name, get out. And he backed up like somebody had punched him in the face. And she said, in Jesus' name, get out of this store. And he turned around and ran. And um, I think we'd be a lot better off if we were wiser, you know, in our authority. But it is amazing, isn't it? You know, they just do. But, but you have to tell them you know who you are. And that's just it. All right, look at verse 8. Just a couple verses here. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. He just walks around like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. And he's looking for somebody that he may devour. He cannot devour anybody who doesn't give him permission to devour them. Whom resists steadfast in your faith? Now, there are two uh, places in this where um, there, it's an understood pronoun, that very next little phrase. Whom, meaning the devil, you resist steadfast in your faith. You resist the devil steadfast in your faith. James says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. He runs with his tail between his legs. Not that he just stands there, but he runs. And um, you need to understand that. Go to James, well, just back up a couple pages here. About three more pages to James um, chapter 4. Okay, one verse, or two verses. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If you resist him, he will flee. You should expect it. That's verse 7. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. And then for the word flee in the Greek, the word means to run from as in terror. So we should be the terrorists, not the devil. All you have to do is resist him and he will run from you as in terror. Just look over at James chapter 2. Verse 19. You believe there is one God? You do well. The devils also believe and tremble. So that they are smart enough to be afraid. <laughs> you know, maybe there are times when we should tremble and we don't. Okay, their domain is limited. It's very limited. Um, that, that domain, we also have to know our domain. That's right. And, and we talked about that being the whole material realm is ours. Mm-hmm. I think the hardest thing in the thing is, is to not be afraid. Uh, you know, they, they're talking about something that's beyond the, their natural realm. And uh, that, uh, that it's important to understand that, that, that you can say in Jesus' name, you know. Right. And that carries power, you know. Yes. And you're right. We, we, sh- we cannot be afraid. Yeah. 
Because fear propels the devil just like blood in the water for a shark, I guess would be a good way to say that, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. Fear's one of his tactics. Um, but you're right, you can't you can't deal with things if you're in, if you're afraid, that's for sure. But God's given us so many uh, weapons, so many um, things that we can uh, use that you, you know we we should understand that our guns are bigger than his guns. <laughs> we we've got this. We have got it. Um, okay. As far as their domain, it's limited too, and it is limited to this earthly realm. At one time, Satan had access to God. And that was like in the book of Job, where you see God going, I mean, Satan going up and walking, you know, in, in, the, in the light in front of God and accusing Job. And um, after Jesus came and destroyed all the principalities and powers, defanged Satan, he doesn't have that access anymore. He's been cast down to the earth. And this is what he does. He corrupts the nations. Um, let's just go right now to Isaiah and Ezekiel. Find Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. You know, it's interesting to me um, when I was going back and reading about a lot of this that God can use that evil um, just like Paul talking to the Corinthians about the young man that was um, having an affair with his mother or, you know, how gross that was. And he said, just give him to Satan and let Satan sift him. When Satan's done, take him back. You know, that there is a, a usefulness in that uh, in that, what do you want to call him? That tool of God that can even be used for good. But you know what? I find that's the way it is with all of us. The enemy um, controls us until we say we've had enough. Usually we come to God when we've hit the wall at 500 miles an hour. You know, that's usually when we finally bend our knee and go, okay, I got it, Lord. You know, even if we've been in church all our lives, there comes a point when you need more than church all your life. You know, and usually that is in a hot, fiery trial. Practice. Practice. There you go. Okay. Um, have you got Isaiah 14? Let's start there. Um, we talked about this. Lucifer is actually mistranslated. That literally is a Latin word, but it means bringer of light or carrier of light. Luce is light. Fair means to carry. That's where we get our word fairy or cab fair or, you know. So um, it literally means a carrier of light. Lucifer was never his name. It was just never translated um, from the Latin into the English. Go figure. So, Big Lou is not his name. <laughs> That's so funny. We The, the Teen Challenge guys do these skits. Um, and uh, the one of the main characters is Big Lou. You know. 
And Big Lou's the one that's either trying to get him in his car so he can lead him down the wrong road, or Big Lou's trying to sell him a bucket of sin. You know, trust Big Lou, I got this. So his name is not Lou. <laughs> okay, um, verse 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O bringer of light, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. Yet you shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see you shall narrowly look upon you and consider you, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? All the kings of the nations, even of them, lie in glory, every one in his own house. But you are cast out of your grave like an abomination. Okay. Um, this is speaking to the, the demon spirit behind um, uh, the king of uh, um, Babylon. Okay, the, there, there was he talked to the man, but then he talked to the demon spirit behind him. And if you think about this, I mean, just looking in the newspaper and what's going on in Iraq now, which is where Babylon is, that's what you have. You have a demonic figure named Allah who has said, I will raise up my throne. I will be like the Most High God. I will be. I will be. I will be. And he drives people um, toward that end. He drives people to that end. He'll destroy people that won't acknowledge him as the Most High God, you know? Yeah. And, and that same demonic spirit that was sitting in that place when Nebuchadnezzar came around, the same demonic spirit that was sitting in that place when the king of Persia came around um, is still there. And that attitude is still there. How many times has that spirit risen up and driven a nation, driven an empire, and then destroyed it all? Destroyed nations in its wake? Um, that personality is still hovering there. That's his like a seat of power for him, you know. Um, but if you look at this, he has been cast down to the ground. His dominion is here, okay? It was here until Jesus destroyed it. Now he has, um, this is where his realm is, but not his dominion except where he can take it. All right, flip now over to Ezekiel. 28. And again, he is addressing that same demon spirit who hovers over that whole Middle East. He's addressing the same demon spirit who's at it again. Look at verse 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. At the time that this is being done, the king of Tyre wasn't even anywhere. He wasn't ruling anymore. He was gone. He had a son, an idiot son, that was trying to run things, the prince of Tyre. So when he's speaking to the king of Tyre, he's talking about that demon spirit that's dominating this man. 
and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You sealed up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You had been in the garden, um, in Eden, the garden of God. Now that doesn't mean the garden of Eden on the earth, but that's God's garden, okay? Every precious stone was in your covering. The sardis, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, and the sapphire, and the emerald, and the carbuncle. Um, all those stones in varying colors are the stones in the, in, the, um, uh, in the spectrum of light. And that's God, and that's what he did. All those stones in him were to reflect the glory of God. And the gold, the workmanship of your tabrets, that means your tambourines, and of your pipes, was prepared in you in the day that you were created. And that's verse 13, um, Ezekiel 28. Um, they were prepared in you in the day you were created. So the day that God created him, he was perfect, brilliantly covered in all these stones that would reflect the light of God. He had instruments built into his being um, that um, would would return that praise back to God. No wonder he said, I want that praise for myself. I'm going to exalt myself. I want to, you know, I want people to praise me. And then here it is. You are the anointed cherub that covers. He was a cherub. That was his um, position in God's creation. He was not an archangel. He was not a seraphim. He was a cherub. I always think of cherubs as being those little round-cheeked, cute little things. But they were fiery beings, balls of fire, brilliant creatures. And um, that's what he was. He was a just a fiery, brilliant creature. My, my scripture casts um, that as a mighty angelic guardian. There you go. And that's right. Um, uh, when it says the cherub that covers, um, it's, it literally means outstretched wings. You are the cherub with outstretched wings. And I have set you so. Hmm? Like on the Ark of the Covenant? Sort of, I would think. Um, and I have set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God and you walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. <coughs> he used to walk in the very presence of God. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. Pride. By the multitude of your merchandise they have filled the midst of you with violence and you have sinned. Therefore I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God and I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. And I will cast you to the ground. And I will lay you before kings that they may behold you. Okay. Several things there. First of all, he has been cast out of heaven. He no longer walks in the face of God. He no longer has that audience. And um, 
So his domain or his place of living or surviving is here in the earth. Ground is Eretz, earth. Okay? But he's a spirit being. He's not a, he's not a physical being. He's a spirit being. And um, because men have been restored, he has to work through men to get things accomplished in this material realm. Because he has no power and authority to do it on his own. So he has to work through men to get it done. So having said that, Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6 that, um, that we have weapons of warfare so that we can stand. Ron told me one time, I've never forgotten, he said stand literally means standing in your parade dress uniform. Not even um, with your shoes scuffed, everything polished. Standing against the enemy. And you can just raise that shield of faith and every fiery dart that he shoots at you is quenched. You know, when you stand behind that faith and you you walk it out and you pray in the Spirit and you, you know, you do the things, we're going to read about it, um, you're covered. You're covered. But more than that, we have huge, huge angels who are also defending and protecting us. Um, the writer of Hebrews says, how can we escape so great a salvation? And the word salvation there means defense, deliverance, protection, right? Victory, healing, prosperity. Those angels are working to provide that for us. That's their job. Okay. Go to Ephesians 6 real quick. Question. Yeah. Lucifer or Satan cast out of heaven mm-hmm. and a third of the angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just read where say Lucifer had purpose. Uh-huh. When he was cast out of heaven, do you think God replaced him? Mm-hmm. I don't know. He could. He could. In that he had purpose. Uh, that ran amok. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. You sure could have. Have to ask him. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Put that on the question list. Right. <laughs> oh my! There's a picture of this of this war in Revelations. If you just want to write this down, Revelations 12, starting with verse seven. This talks about that war. And I'll just read it to you. You don't have to go there. Um, There was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was there a place found anymore. Neither was there a place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Um, There's another picture of it where with his tail he dragged a third of the angels with him. And so that's where we know that's the picture of the war that took place in heaven. But he was cast down to the earth. 
This is where he is. He no longer walks around up there, you know, where he had access. They took his key to the men's room away from him. <laughs> so let's just go to Ephesians 6 because we'll just look at the way that they're arrayed and just kind of check this out because you'll see these personalities. Um, you, you'll see the influence of these guys. They're so obvious. Um, uh, just look at verse 12 in Ephesians 6. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And you know what? That's the sad thing. We spend most of our time doing just that. Mm-hmm. And these little imps keep doing the damage and, and we're wasting all our time with one another instead of taking care of what's going on. But against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, and against spiritual wicked in high places or heavenly places. Okay? So let's just look at each one of these categories. The first is principalities. In the Greek, the word is arkus. And that means like the generals of the army. Okay? It'll be like the... the Head honchos. Um, with authority to rule and to grant power and, if you will, to call the shots. Um, and then below them become, are the powers, exousia. And they are given their permission to function by Arcus. Powers and mights and authorities to accomplish a mission. And Usually this involves superhuman strength and dominion. And you might look at them as, instead of the generals, they would be like the magistrates, the delegated influences, the jurisdictions. Okay. Then you have the rulers of darkness. Cosmocratos. And those are the manifested powers or dominions over the material universe. This, this strata is where you see everything manifested. And usually they manifest through this. They usually use ignorance and spiritual blindness and error and sin. That's where cosmocratus is and that's where we see most of this stuff. The arguing, the strife, the, the bitterness, the anger, the unforgiveness, the, you know, the petty day-to-day things. Um... That's the, that, how many weeks now have we been reading about what um, walking in the dark looks like? Envying and slander and strife and jealousy and all those things. That's the cosmocratos. It's just, that's the, 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 um, the manifested power. That's the ones that, you know, take the orders and then do what they can to get people to, Show their rear ends. But, you know, they're just happy to make you ignorant and spiritually blind. And um, they don't even mind if you go to church as long as you just stay ignorant and spiritually blind. As long as you don't know what's in your Bible. As long as you don't know, you know, what's going on. I mean, I just think about all the years I went to the Catholic Church. I never opened the Bible. I didn't even know what was in the Bible. You know, I had my little prayer book and I had my catechism and I was happy. But totally ignorant totally ignorant and happily so and blinded I had no idea 
No idea what was out there. But the enemy's perfectly happy with that. You know, they don't have to hurt you. They just want to keep you dumb. And um, so they can do what they do. The last one is very hurtful. Spiritual wickedness um, in high places. This is Numa Deponeria, which is malicious evil. And it is expressed in ways that affect others. Willful destruction and injury. Okay. It is also a, a spiritual influence over men, such as religious fanaticism, okay, and governmental evil. Think about ISIS. You know, that is wickedness in, in all of its form right there. That evil that is malicious and injurious and murderous. Um, all these shootings that happen. That comes out of that ranks. You know, out of that rank. And then there are other just rank and file demons, you know, that, that um, affect people. Mary Magdalene had seven. Jesus cast them out of her. You know, and um, you remember the seven sons of Siva? There were Jewish guys who had seen Jesus cast somebody out or, and Paul cast demons out and they ran on this man that had a demon but they didn't have faith. They weren't born again. And uh, here they are in their little dark spirits and um, they spoke to this demon and they said, you know, by the, you know, by the name of Jesus that Paul uses, we adjure you to come out of that man. And the demon said, well, I know Paul and I know Jesus but I don't know you. And those demons jumped on those seven men and beat them to a pulp, stripped them naked and sent them running. You know, because they were dark spirits trying to operate in the power of God. But they certainly knew Paul. Oh, we know Paul. And we know Jesus, but we don't know you. You know. So you can't mess with them unless you know who you are in Christ Jesus. And because no demon has flesh, and that only flesh men have authority in this earth, they have to get you to agree with them in order to use you. Um, we've had this business with the gay weddings and all that stuff coming up lately. I find it really interesting that the deal now is, is you have to come out and declare. It's like you're, you know... I have to tell the world that this is what I am now, you know, that coming out moment. And I'm thinking, the only other place that I see that in Scripture is when Jesus said, you must declare that I am the Lord of your life. Believe in your heart and declare with your mouth, um, then you will be saved. If the enemy can get you to believe in your heart what he says and declare with your mouth what you believe to be true. He's got you. He has got you in his trap. And you are enslaved to that. Um, I find that so heartrending to me because we do not understand that when we make those declarations in faith, they have a spiritual consequence for us. You know. Right. And... Um, so we have to be aware of the fact that 
these demons, because they have no bodies, they have no other capability other than you, and you are the creative being, you are the one with the ability to speak, you are the one with the power of your words that can build up and plant and sow or tear down and destroy with your words. They have to get your mouth in agreement with what they want. And if they get your mouth in agreement with what they want, then they can do what they want with you. Okay. Some of their capabilities. Um, <clears throat> at one time, they had the ability to physically appear to people. And um, Paul speaks to it in 2 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We know that they appeared in the flesh in Noah's day. But those guys have been locked up. I couldn't find any other examples where um, demons just manifested in that much of a, a way, you know. But Paul confirms that they do. And um, so look at verse 13 in 2 Corinthians 11. For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Um. What verse? This is um, 14, 13 through 15. Thank you. You know, he's warning. And that word transform, literally, it, it's not transform like the Mount of Transfiguration. It's not uh, metamorphosis. It is, um, it's a word that means disguises themselves. New NIV says masquerades. Yes, masquerades. Well, and the first part of that, Paul's talking about physical people that appear as false prophets. Yes. So he's, he's lining them up right there as physical beings. That's right. And um, so you and I always have to test the, you know, that's why we have to have knowledge. We have to have understanding. You always have to test teaching. Um, mine too. I mean, put that at the top of the list. You, you have to test it against Scripture. Um because um, man, um, I, I heard some horrendous things in my day. Um, turn on TV and you hear it a lot. And I'm not saying that they're demons, but I am saying that there's false doctrine out there, and um, you have to be careful with it. Um, I remember back in the '70s. I think we talked about this before. You went through this time where we were. Big in the spiritual warfare. Everything was spiritual warfare. Do you remember that? We had the, all the books about it and um, all that kind of stuff. And, and um, people began to get off, off of the word. You know, and, and they began to draw maps over cities and try to figure out what demon was over what city. And they began to try to attack the demons over these cities. And 
what began to happen is the people who were praying began to get wiped out because they were not um, they were not following the word of God and taking control over their own domain you know um, they were going after something that they didn't have the domain over and um, so we have to be careful about that it sounded so good man I went to all kind of conferences on stuff like that and um, but um, those, those people aren't around anymore <laughs> they got wiped out um, and I heard um, I don't remember who said it he said it was like they were standing in the street shooting arrows straight up at the enemy and then the arrows were falling back <coughs> down on themselves you know they were uh, opening the door for, for the stuff to happen to them because they were in error and as good as it sounded, it was wrong because it wasn't doctrinally sound. And um, so we go through times like that where people will have some kind of a new uh, revelation. You just better be careful because there's nothing new under the sun. And it better line up with Scripture. And if somebody takes a Scripture and tries to twist it into a pretzel, turn them off. Just turn them off. You know, turn them off. Um, but your spirit will tell you that when you start to hear something that sounds wrong. You'll, you'll start to squirm. Um, you know, the, the, and so that's why we need to know what we're talking about. So some of these angels can disguise themselves, if you will, and do their damage through flesh. Okay. Some can possess or inhabit people. They can oppress. They can inflict mental illness and other physical diseases on their victims. Um, go to Matthew 4. And this is an important thing for us to know. Because sometimes, now the flu is just a flu. And a cold is just a cold. Alright? But there are sometimes when you come across chronic illnesses, um, that just hang on if you listen to the person talking about it if you watch what they do you can tell whether they're oppressed by some kind of a demon presence it doesn't mean that it's on them or in them they're not demon possessed but sickness and disease sometimes comes at the hands of these little imps and you have to address it um all right, Matthew 4, are you there? Okay, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And a fame went throughout all Syria and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed by devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them all. Okay, now go to Luke 4. Luke 4. Sort of the same thing. Luke 
Verse 40. Luke 4, verse 40. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them to him. And he laid the hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed um, and went into a desert place. And the people sought him and came to him and stayed with him, that he should not depart from them. Um, wherever you see a lot of sickness and disease, there's going to be some of the enemy around there. So when you're dealing with people who are sick, you may need to take authority over whatever's oppressing them. But the Holy Spirit will tell you that. Um, it isn't everybody, but every now and then, you'll see it. I, I, I have seen that with kids who have eating disorders. Um, that's a, it's a mental oppression. And that's demonic in its source. And um, you have to take care of the dark side of that in order to get them delivered from it. The child's not possessed by a demon. It isn't that. But those little demon presences can really torment people. And um, Do they have to want to, to be uh, cleaned out of this demon or not? Uh, I don't think they know. You know, I think if they just want to be prayed for, you're... you're you know, the, those little imps can't stay. They just, they can't stay. And um, you just command them to go. They have to go. They have to go. They, most people just don't even know. They, they have no idea. And, and um, unless the Lord shows you something, don't you be doing it either. But, you know, if the Lord says to you, you need to speak to that spirit of sickness. You know, get it off of them. Then do it. But um, it's nothing to be afraid of because... They can't do anything to you. They're pathetic. They're just little yappy dogs that, that need to be taken care of. You know, they're, they're nothing. And so we need to keep that in perspective. Okay. Um, they do engage in territorial um, warfare. But that's not, that is not our domain. We pray for this earth realm where it is our domain. Where the birds fly, where the, you know... Um, where the animals creep and crawl, where the fish, and anything that's in this earth, this is our realm. And when the enemy comes into our realm, buddy, they better watch out. We have authority here. But um, like when Daniel was praying for 21 days, um, go to the book of Daniel. Let's just do this real quick. Oh, we're done. Sorry about that, guys. Do you want to just stop here? Okay, we'll go to Daniel real quick. Go to Daniel. <coughs> yeah, and... I'll find it. Okay, Daniel chapter 10. Okay. Daniel 
had seen some things in the Spirit and he didn't understand them. So he wanted explanation about what was coming. So he fasted for 21 days. And it was a very specific fast. He didn't eat sweet meats and breads and he didn't drink wine. So he had vegetables and water, basically. Okay, But he fasted for 21 days and he prayed. Now the fasting didn't move God. Okay, the fasting didn't move God. The fasting pulled Daniel's flesh out of the way so that when the answer came, he could see clearly into the spirit realm. That's what the fasting did. Okay, nothing more. Because when this angel shows up, let me just show you. Um, verse 7. Oh no, verse 6. Is it verse 6? Verse 5. Back it up. Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of euphaz. His body also was like the burl, and his face, a burl's a diamond, okay? And his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet in the color of polished brass. And the voice of his words was like the voice of a multitude. Now that is an angel. Can you imagine, if you just really knew what your angels looked like, you know, we'd be feeling all right about everything. Um, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. Now, see, Daniel alone was the one that fasted. Daniel alone is the one that got his flesh out of the way. So Daniel alone saw into the spirit realm and saw this angelic being. Nobody else with him could see the guy. For the men that were with me saw not the vision. But a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. They sensed it in the spirit and ran. Therefore I was left alone and I saw the great vision and there remained no strength in me. For my comeliness was turned in me into corruption and I retained no strength. And yet I heard the voice of his words and when I heard the voice of his words then I was in a deep sleep on my face. So he just fell face down on the ground with my face toward the ground and behold a hand touched me which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands so now he's up like a dog and then he said to me Daniel man greatly beloved understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for unto you I am now sent when he had spoken this word to me I stood trembling and then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before God, your words were heard, and I am come for your words. So the very first day that Daniel prayed, God sent the angel. Okay? He wasn't begging God to send the angel. God heard the words and sent the angel. So for 21 days, Daniel was preparing to receive that message. And this is what kept him back for 21 days. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. So this angel was sent the first day, and what did he do? He hit that warfare up in the outer areas up there in the extraterrestrial land, and they had a war. The prince that had ruled over Persia, that same nasty Babylonian spirit thing, was warring to keep this angel from getting to Daniel. Daniel couldn't do anything about that war. That wasn't his domain. 
Daniel waited for God's answer to come where he was. But for 21 days, there was a war up there and this one angel battling against the prince of Persia. And finally, Michael the archangel came and helped him to get through. So there was a war going on up there that you and I don't have any authority in. Except our prayer life keeps us communicating with God and it keeps those angels moving up there so that they can clear the way to get messages through. Okay, so then he, he tells Daniel, you know, why he has come. And um, then in verse 20, go down to verse 20. He asked Daniel, he says, now do you understand why I came? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So verse 20, then he said, do you know wherefore I've come unto you? So now I will return to the fight with the prince of Persia. And when I'm gone forth, lo, lo the prince of Grecia will come. So, <coughs> when he goes back, he's not only going to have to fight through the prince of Persia, but the prince of Grecia. That, that spirit up there that's been controlling the Grecians. Okay? And, um, but I will show you what is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holds with me in these things. But Michael your prince. So I'm going to tell you the truth. But only Michael is the one on my side. So the two of them. He and Michael had to fight their way through. Okay. Now there is something going on up there. But that's not our domain. That's when. Back in the 70's. That's when people got off track. They're going oh man we need to be up there in that warfare. And I'm going No. You know, now I look at it and I go, no, no, no wonder we could have gotten ourselves killed up there. Um, it's a serious deal. Um, so we have to be really careful about that. Um, but when they hit our territory, then they have to be really careful. Because we're the ones that have the upper hand. Okay, we're going to stop there. And then we'll hit on tactics just a little bit. And then we're done. We're not talking about them anymore. Because they're not worth talking about. They're losers. <laughs> um, I can't stand it. It's November 1st. Woo. Okay. Um, I'll be here next week. But then the next week, I will not be here. I'm going to be gone on the 12th. That's a Thursday. Friday's the 13th, 14th, 15th. The 15th, I will not be here. So we won't have class on the 15th. But then we'll be back after that, before Thanksgiving, okay? All right, let me just pray for everybody here. Father, I just want to thank you for tonight. Thank you for this lesson. And I just ask that you keep us, bless us in our going out and our coming in, Lord. And uh, use us this week to bless other people. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.